the last week of our series called 2020 Vision. And we've been talking about as we enter into a new year and we enter into a new decade, talking about getting refocused on those things that truly matter. We talked about finances in one of the messages and talked about the power of being debt-free and how when we're in debt, we're enslaved to the lender and how so many people can't live the life they want to live because they're having to go to a job they hate because they bought things they don't need to impress people they don't like and they're in debt now up to their ears. We've talked about purpose and we've talked about the importance of purpose in our life and how we need that thing that gets us out of bed in the morning. And the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And we have so many people that are living their life basically as the walking dead. Last week we talked about relationships and we talked about marriage and we talked about the simple things that we can do. We went to the Song of Solomon and we talked about what a pimp Solomon was, man. And the shepherd boy was going after his girl, man. He was doing all the right things and how we get complacent in our relationships and we're not willing to put the effort forth after we enter the relationship that we're willing to do before we were in the relationship. And I was thinking about today's message and I came up with this thought. I was thinking about it. There comes a time in the life of everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ where you're further away from God than you were before. If we're to be honest, it's not a place that any of us want to get into. It's not a place that any of us were looking to go. It's not a place that any of us desired to go. But every walk in your Christian life, there will come a period. It might be a period of years. It might be a period of days. It might be a period of months. It might even be a long period that some people never come back from. There comes a time where you end up further away from God than you were at one time in your life. We entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We got into church. We were on fire. We were excited. We were literally ready to charge the gates of hell with a water gun. But just as with any fire, if you don't tend to that fire, the fire begins to die off. And what happens is, man, we come out of the gate strong in our walk with Christ. We're doing the things that we know we should do to foster that fire and to work that fire and to work that relationship with God. And over time, we quit doing the things that we know we should do. And that fire begins to die out. And if we were to be honest today, some of us here today are in that place. To be honest today, I'm probably in that place. Not that I'm necessarily in a bad place with God. But there's definitely been times in my life with God that I was probably closer to God than I am today. There comes that time where we begin to drift away. And that's the problem with our relationship with God, if we're not constantly working it, the drift happens. And the problem with drift is you don't realize it's happening. How many of you have ever had a helium balloon? Maybe you got your girl a helium balloon for a Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day's coming up, I believe. Um, I don't even know what the date is today. Valentine's Day's coming up. Uh, her birthday, your anniversary, and that helium balloon, it's floating in the house, and it's all doing its thing. And the next day, it just a little bit lower. The next day, it's a little bit lower. And and you never see the actual balloon start to fall. Just every day, the helium begins to leak out of it. It begins to drift out of the balloon until you come in one day and out of the blue, the helium is gone, the balloon's on the ground, and that's what happens, I think, with our walk with God. Just a little bit of time, the helium begins to to leak out, the passion begins to leak out, and we're simply allowed the flame to die off. As we're in the last week of this series, I was thinking about all the different things, and I could have done a 52-week series 
or things you ought to have a vision about. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. If we're talking about a vision in your, for your children, a vision for your purpose, a vision for your finances, a vision for your marriage, a vision for your career, a vision for your ministry, no matter what it is we're talking about, none of that matters. None of that is relevant if you don't have a vision for your relationship with God. Everything that we are and everything that we do will be an overflow, an outflowing of our one-on-one relationship with God. And we get to the point where sometimes that's strong and we get to the point where sometimes it's weak and when we're not investing into that relationship, like I said, that vision begins to leak. We reach a lot of what I like to call de-churched people at Action Church. We reach a lot of de-churched people at Action Church. And by that, I mean we reach a lot of people who at one time or another were in church. Maybe they grew up in church. Maybe when they were young in their adulthood, they were in church. And for whatever reason, they were active in their faith and their walk with God. And over time, they simply allowed that flame to drift away. And they walked away from the things of God for a period of time. And now they're back and they're trying to work on that. And as we wrap up this series, we've had a real simple premise, and the premise of the series has been this. Everyone ends up somewhere in life. Very few people end up there on purpose. You end up somewhere in life with your finances. There's not a person here today who's not somewhere with their finances. The question is, did you get there on purpose? No matter how good your relationship is or how bad your relationship is, you got there and you're there, but did you get there on purpose? But very few of us, we we ever think about the fact that we need to have that relationship being worked on with Christ. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. When you entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what happened. Your life did a 180. You're no longer, let me stress this to you, you are no longer what you used to be. Your friends might see you the same. Your family members might see you the same. Your co-workers might see you the same. Your enemies might see you the same because there's some people, no matter what you do, will never see you any different than what you used to be. Somebody say amen. amen. But you're new. And the problem is over time, life happens. We get off course and we end up in a place we never thought we would be. And over the last three weeks, we've covered all these topics, but I want to zero in today on a personal level and talk about our personal accountability when it comes to God. Let me give you a news flash today. Your relationship with God is not my responsibility. It's not my job to feed you. I love when people leave a church like, I'm just not getting fed at that church. Here's an amazing thing about being a grown-ass adult. You feed yourself. Oh, Lord. And just like that, we got out of my league right there. I don't get fed by Gary's preaching. Okay, that's cool, I get it. Man, if you're looking for the best preacher in the world, you have not found him here. If you're looking for the deepest preacher in the world, you have not found him here. If you're looking for the most knowledgeable preacher in the world, you have not found him here. I can guarantee you that. The good news is it's not my responsibility to feed you. It's your responsibility to feed yourself. 
And even if I was feeding you, let's say I was laying out a steak dinner. If you're only eating on Sunday morning, you're starving. It's our responsibility. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. It is our responsibility and our walk with God. And if we want any of the aspects of our life to be what they could be, it all starts at the ground level of our personal walk with God. <laughs> we need to get to the point where we have a 2020 vision for that walk. <laughs> As you read through the Bible, though, what you will see very quickly is, is that drift happens with even some of the greatest of those in the Bible. You're not abnormal because you go through a period of drift in your relationship with God. It doesn't make you a bad person that at one time you were on more fire for God than you are today. Drift happens simply because life happens. But if we want to live our life and have the potential that God has in us, we've got to make sure we're working that relationship with God. I think there's no greater example of this in the story in the Bible than the Old Testament story of Jonah. Man, I dig Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a man of God. He was a preacher of God who God called to do something, check this out, that Jonah didn't want to do. Has God ever called you to do something you didn't want to do? Holy smokes. Most of the time when God tells me to do something, it's exactly what I do not want to do. That whole loving people thing, nope, don't want to do it. That whole caring for those pe other people, eh, I don't want to do that. By nature, my name is Gary Lamb and I am the king of it being all about me. That's my natural instinct. I don't want to do the things that God tells me I need to do. But I have found out in my blah, blah, blah years on this earth that my life goes a whole lot smoother when I'm submitted and I'm surrendered to the will of God in my life and I'm walking in unison with God's vision for my life. I think we kind of screw up sometimes in our prayer life. I'm rabbit trailing here for a minute. You'll just have to deal with it. I hope the crock pot's on low. We ask God to get involved in the vision we have for our life instead of asking God to help us get involved in the vision he has for our life. I think we've got that all wrong. Hey, God, I blah, 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 and want you to get in the middle of it. Instead of saying, God, where are you moving and putting me in the middle of that? But I dig the story of Jonah. The Bible says this in Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You need to understand something here. God has told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach to the people and let him know, man, they are wicked and God is going to destroy the city. But you need to understand just how wicked Nineveh was. It was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. It was the most wicked city in the world at this time. It's almost difficult to describe just how wicked Nineveh was. What they would do to their prisoners of war was, was so inhumane that you almost can't put it into words. When they would take over a city in conquest, the first thing they would do is they would line up every single woman and rape her. Then they would come along and take all of the children. Don't miss this. I'm not trying to gross you out. I'm just trying to let you realize the evilness of this city. They would line all the women up after they'd been raped and watch, the women had to watch as they killed every child in the city. 
After they had raped these women and killed their children, they would then kill the women. They would take the men, they would skin them alive, literally skin them alive, bury them in the desert, they would take their tongues out of their mouth, pull them out, and drive a stake through their tongue. So they would bury them into the ground, neck up, pull their tongues out, drive a stake through their tongue. While they had to die in this horrendous death, they would literally die of the pain, the exhaustion, but also of starvation and dehydration. After they had died, they would cut their heads off. They would build a pyramid out of their skulls that let the world know we, the Ninevites, were here and we conquered this city. They were an evil people. But yet, don't miss this. They were an evil people. They were a vile people. They were a wicked people. Any current countries in our mind popping in? Yet God loved them. The creator of the universe loved these people. He didn't love their actions. He didn't love their sin. He didn't love their wickedness. But he loved these people so much that he told Jonah, one of his prophets, to leave where he was and go preach to these people. That's the kind of God we serve. I don't get real political around here, but when you're casting stone and you're talking about what ought to be done and ought to be done here in this country and that country and this country, sometimes you need to step back and realize, man, God loves people. God doesn't just love Americans, hate to burst your bubble. God doesn't just love the Republicans, hate to burst your bubble. God doesn't just love the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, hate to burst your bubble. God loves people. He's a just God. Now, do not mistake God's love for people as for the fact that there won't be consequences for sin because God's about to bring down wrath on Nineveh if they don't change their ways. But he's going to send Jonah there to give them one last chance. You would think that would be the greatest calling in the world, that God trusted you so much. He thought so highly of you that he sends you to the most wicked of people and says, I want you to go there and preach to these people. But Jonah wanted nothing to do with it. Jonah's like so many of us, me included. He was operating in the flesh. These people don't deserve the love of God. These people don't deserve a second chance. <coughs> so instead of going to Nineveh like God told him to do, he actually did the opposite. Look what it says. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. How many of us have ever run away from the Lord? And headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that part. He's trying to get so way, far away from where God sent him, he jumps on a ship to go to a land. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I want you to think about what's happening here. God has told Jonah to go, and Jonah says no. Instead of hopping on the next camel to Nineveh, he hopped on the next boat 
in the opposite direction. I don't want to have anything to do with those people. The Bible says he went down to Joppa. He went down to Joppa. Disobedience of God will always take you down. You will never go up in your disobedience to God. He had nowhere to go but down because he's living the opposite of what God has told him to live. He's living in his own flesh. He's living in his own power. He's living in his own desires. He's living in his own purpose. He doesn't care that God's come to do something. He didn't want to do it, and he's not willing to do it. And let me tell you something. Man, so many of us are so guilty of that. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It'll keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. And that's where Jonah's at. Man of God, prophet of God. I ain't doing that, God. How many of us, man, were like, God, I'm on board. I will do this and this and this. And nah, I ain't doing that, God. God, and let me tell you the stupidest thing you can ever do with God. God, I'll do anything but blank. You idiot, God just called you to do butt blank if you do that. Man, God loved these people. And Jonah runs away. And so many of us are running from God's plan for our life because we think we know better. It wasn't going to be easy for Jonah to go to Nineveh. And that's another great lie of the church. The Bible never promises that the will of God is the safest place. It's the best place, but it's not the safest place. Jonah knew his life would be in danger if he went to these barbarians and began to preach to them about their sin. But better to be in a dangerous situation with God than what we deem a safe situation without God. So Jonah gets on this boat. Jonah's fleeing from God. You can't outrun God, by the way. God comes along. They're on the boat. He sends this huge storm. The boat's about to break up. The people on the boat are freaking out. And Jonah says, it's my fault. I'm running from God. God has sent this storm. Here's what you got to do. You got to throw me overboard. They actually begin to argue with Jonah. We're not throwing you overboard. He says, throw me overboard if you want the storm to stop. When they got to where there was no resort, last resort, they threw him overboard. Immediately the storm stopped. Jonah hits the ocean. Boom, like a Disney movie. A whale comes and swallows him up. <laughs> Jonah's chilling in the belly of the whale like Pinocchio. He lights a candle. He's freaking out. It's nasty. It smells gross. There's dead stuff all up in there. He don't know what's going on. All he knows is he's still alive. He wishes he was dead. When you run from God, you might be alive, but trust me, you'll wish you're dead. I could tell you story after story after story of running from God. He's in the belly of the whale. Finally, the whale comes up on the shore. He pukes Jonah up. He regurgitates Jonah Jonah's laying on the shore. Hey, what we got going on, Michelle? You, like you watching Netflix while I'm preaching? 
Mm, you sure it ain't Pornhub or something? Don't lie to the preacher right now. Don't be lying to the preacher, Michelle. What is wrong with this church? You want to watch? Pass your phone back to Janice. Man, good Lord. Hey, we just need to repent and open the altar today. Where were we? Jonah has puked up, been puked up by a whale. He's been swallowed by a whale. He has lived in the inside of a whale and lived to tell about it. And Jonah, like so many of us, it takes something like that for Bia's wake-up call. Finally, Jonah's had enough. He realizes you cannot outrun God because wherever you go, there you are. And he decides, I can't take it anymore. I'll give in. I'm going to do what God says. And I dig this verse. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. If you break that word down in the original language, it, it, it literally means he came to him again. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's willing to come to us more than one time? Aren't you glad we serve a God? He's not a God of second chances. He's a God of again chances. He's a God of third chances and fourth chances and a thousand chances. We serve a God that as long as we're breathing does not give up on us. That's hard for us to comprehend because we're not wired that way. You mess me over, you might get a second chance, but I doubt it. But God came to Jonah Again, <laughs> he came to Jonah the second time. I can't tell you how many different times God came to me over the years. You could stand up today and testify over and over and over on how many times God has come to you over and over and given you a chance. How many times you set out to follow God and you were in fellowship with God and in path with God and you did something that separated you from that relationship and yet God's always right where you left him. God didn't leave you, you left him. There's some of you here today and you realize you're in that situation. I can remember looking back over my life. I can remember getting in trouble my mom sending me to some kind of crazy Christian camp with a bunch of crazy Christian people who I wanted nothing to do with. And at that camp, I can remember God calling me and me thinking, man, I could do that with my life. I want to be a preacher. I could see myself doing that right there. I can remember being mesmerized by the guys he taught and people listened. This guy was helping people get their life back in order. And I left there and came home and told him, I said, I think I want to be a preacher one day. And I was like, okay. And time happened, and the last thing on my mind was the things of God. The last thing on my mind was anything to do with the church, and I went down. I went south. I began to go to Tarshish. I, I began to go my own way instead of the way God had called me to go. And then I can remember being about 20 years old, Walking into an independent 
you don't know what I'm about to tell you, you just don't know. You should, you should come to the altar today and thank God you don't know what I'm about to tell you. I walked into what's called an independent, fundamental, this is what, premillennial, King James only Baptist church. Women couldn't wear pants. You could not have a band because that was of the devil. But you could have an organ and you could have a piano. You could have a quartet singing the most god-awful music you ever heard in your life. And the problem with the quartet is they all matched and only one of them could sing. But bless God, the other three had good hearts. And I sat on the back row of that church. And the whole time, and I was there just because of a girl. Girls will get you in trouble. Amen. I'm sitting on the back row. I ain't been in church in literally, I'm 20, probably four years. I'd never been to a church like this. They had thrones on the stage. You ever been to a church that had thrones on the stage? And apparently, your rank in the church depended on what throne you got. So like the music guy got like the smaller throne. And we need some thrones up in here. Somebody get on Craigslist and find me a throne. Oh, we got one throne here. That's right, we do. I don't need to bring that joker out. Let's sit up here the whole time. And then there was a big throne. And there was this little five-foot-three Cherokee Indian man in a suit and tie in this thing. But he wasn't sitting like a normal person sits. Like a normal person sits like this, right? That's how I'd sit on my throne if Phil was playing. That's how I'd sit. I'm not, this man sat with his, I'm way too fat and way too tall, but he sat with his feet in the throne, perched, and the whole time the quartet that could not sing was singing, he's screaming, bless God! And I'm like, what is this guy doing? And they'd sing and he'd jump up and jump. I just want to stop him right now. I remember it was on a Tuesday. And I was on my Tuesday. And everybody'd be like, he's like, how many even gave your life to God on a Tuesday? And people knew what day, like they'd given, like Tuesday. And he'd so sit back down. And they'd sing some more. He'd jump back. He, Bless God, you can't just get saved on Tuesday. You get saved on a Wednesday. And I'm like, this just went on for like, it felt like two hours. It was horrible. I'm scared to death on the back row. Like he's calling out people in the seats and they're standing up and they're, I got preacher, I remember when, boo, I was on my way to a devil's hell and I was a drunkard and my foot was in the clay and God, and I'm like, it was just crazy. And after about two hours and 47 minutes of horrible singing and this dude screaming, he jumped up. They had this big thing called a pulpit in the church. He grabbed that pulpit. He said, take your Bibles! I didn't have a Bible. I'm on the back row. And when I tell you he started on this side of the church, he mowed everybody down. He 
He preached against women in pants. He preached against, I remember he preached against blockbuster video. I am not that old. I am 23 years old. This was 22 years ago. I remember this man 22 years ago. He preached, if I'm lying, I'm dying. He preached against the temptations, music, the band, like, like the, whatever it was, the band, like people like Doug used to listen to, like old people music. That man preached and preached and then he said, if you die without Jesus, you go to hell and fry like bacon. I love bacon. I have ruined many of a clothing with some bacon, have I not? Because apparently you cannot cook bacon on high and the grease pops up and it burns. I don't want to fry like bacon. And then he said the lines that changed my life. He said, if you don't know Jesus, come on down. I came down. The problem is when I came down, nobody told me what to do while I was down there. I swear I'm not making this story up. They just keep singing this song over and over. And like nobody's messing with me and I'm down. I'm like, what do I do now that I'm down? And he kept coming over to me. He kept saying, are you good? I'm down. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing down here. So finally, I realized that if I told him I was good, this would end. I'm good. <laughs> it ended. I prayed, brought me up. This is Brother Gary. I somehow became brother just by going down. This is Brother Gary. My God, he loves Jesus. I'm going to see him in heaven. Cool. I left there. I came home. My mom was in the kitchen cooking. She said, what are you doing? I said, I went down. She said, you went down where? I said, at the church. She said, well, I don't know what that means. What would you do when you went down? I said, they started calling me brother. She said, oh, you got to say. Anyway, I said all that to say this. I went to church the next week at the same church. And i just telling you, clear as day. I said, I want to be that guy on stage that screams at everybody. <laughs> That's how God called me to preach. But he had called me as a teenager. Aren't you glad God comes along and calls us again and doesn't give up on us? He had called me over and over. I lost everything 10 years ago. I never wanted to pastor a church again in my life. I never wanted to preach. No offense, I, did, I couldn't stand the thought of pastoring again. And God comes along and time to go after it. No, I'm good. No, you're going to go after it. And he said, we're going to do exactly what I, I, you said, God talked, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, just, I, I knew it in my heart. You're going to go do what I called you to do when I told you to move here, and that was go after those that nobody else wanted to reach. But this time, you're not going to get to do it with a thousand people in unlimited budget. Go where no one speaks English. <laughs> Into a building that was condemned, but you're not going to know it's condemned. And go meet in a parking lot. And God comes to us again. And again and again. Thank God for the grace of God in our life. Jonah had run from God. 
and God took his life like, like it was an Etch-a-Sketch. No, everybody remember what Etch-a-Sketch is? I know if you're from Jasper, that's a computer, but it was an Etch-a-Sketch. And you would do these things, and they would put lines up on the screen, and you would shake it, and it would all go away. That's what God does to our lives, man. We screw up, and we go our way, and God's like, don't worry about it. I'm going to shake this thing, and we're going to start over because I'm going to come to you a second time. I'm going to come to you a third time, and eventually, you hard-headed mofo, you're going to get it, or you're going to die. He said he came to us a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Go now. Go don't get prepared to go. Don't get your ducks in a row. Don't come up with your plan because I'm going to guide you. He says in Isaiah, I will go before you and I will make the crooked places straight. God says, hey, you ain't sending you nowhere today that I wasn't yesterday. Go. You can't see tomorrow, but God says, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. You can't see the fifth step. Why would you? You ain't took the first step. God says, go. Go. I love pastoring this church, but can I tell you something? I never wanted to pastor this church. I didn't. I didn't want to start another church. I found out this amazing thing called business. And when I found out, man, I worked as hard in the business world as I did in the church world. I actually made money in business. I never made money in the church world. It was an amazing concept. But God comes over and over and says, go. There's some of you here today and God's telling you it's time to come back to him. You know he has a plan for your life. You know he has a purpose for your life. I'm not saying your purpose is to go start a church. I'm not saying your purpose is to go be a missionary. Your purpose might just be to be here every Sunday and be an encouragement to somebody. I don't know what your purpose is, but here's the deal. You do. And you're running from God. You're running in your marriage. You're running with your finances. You're running from your responsibilities. And God says, man, just trust me. I got you. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. You need to understand the importance of Nineveh. It, it was a city of great influence. It was great power. There was great culture. There was 120,000 people there. It was the epicenter of this area. God knew if he could get Nineveh to change, he could change a region. So he said, go. And the Bible says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. You know what I dig the most about this? Is God didn't come along and around and they didn't do it the first time. Mm. God didn't throw it in his face that he didn't listen the first time. He just went. He just went. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. In the past, he didn't. In the past, some of us, we didn't. And God's telling you it's time to obey him. I'm gonna tell you what to do. Just do it. So Jonah, verse four, began by going a day's journey to the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That had to be hard for Jonah. He knows he's going into a dangerous town. I probably would have rolled up in that town a little bit different. I would have probably tried to ease in with some cotton candy. Hey, let me tell you how to live your best life now. God's for you. I might even pull to Joel Olstein when I wrote it. Hey, can I tell you a funny little joke? I'd have done whatever I could just to knock the edge off Nineveh. I, I can just picture Jonah rolling up in there. That's how I picture it, like it's the Wild West. Buildings on both sides, there's a dirt road, and there's a big old sawdust whippoorwill thigamajig blowing. And the saloon doors open, somebody comes out with a gun. 
tumbleweed, whatever it's called. <laughs> Whippoorwill, same thing. I've been listening to Blackberry Smoke a lot lately. And he walks out and he says, hey, you can have that gun. You can be bad. But I'm telling you, if you don't change in 40 days, God's going to destroy this city. And you know what happened? <laughs> they changed. They listened to what Jonah had to say. He didn't sugarcoat it. I think we live in a society that sugarcoats too much. When simply the truth needs to be told. You don't got to say it in a rude way. We mistake telling the truth as being rude. You can tell the truth in a loving way, but we got to say the truth. <laughs> in 40 days, this city will be destroyed. And that word destroyed is an interesting word because it can have two meanings back in this time. It, it, it comes from the word hippoch. And it literally means it can be overturned and destroyed. Or it can be overturned and changed. Jonah's telling them, the choice is yours. But in 40 days, God's overturning this city. He can overturn it and destroy it by you continuing on in your wicked ways. Or he can overturn it and change you. But there's a time limit, is what Jonah was saying to these people. Can I tell you today, there's a time limit on you getting on board with the will of God. You're not promised tomorrow. Some of you are thinking about, man, you need to go back and follow God's will in your marriage. And, man, I got all the time in the world. You ain't got all the time in the world. You don't. He might find somebody else. She might get really smart and find somebody else. You don't got time. I, I, I've been on this kick recently of dealing with people who have lost children. No parent should outlive their child. What a horrible thing. Horrible. Some of you are waiting to restore that relationship with your child, and you're not promised tomorrow. So why wouldn't you do it today? You're running from God. Jonah proclaimed the truth, and the Bible says the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That was a, that was a representation of, of repentance in this time. They would put this itchy clothing when it was made out of goat's hair. They would fast. It was their way of changing from the old to the new. It was a symbol of humility. It was a symbol of repentance. And they wanted God to know, we have heard the man of God. We have heard that you love us so much you're giving us a second chance. But this never would have happened had Jonah not been obedient and got a 20-20 vision for his life. What is it that God called you? You know how many people I run into in my life say, you know what, I know there was a time in my life and God called me to do blank. And I didn't do it. It says, from the least to the greatest. Look at the, even the king. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. Then this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. 
because Jonah did a 180 in his life because Jonah decided to stop running from God. An entire city was saved. That was all my introduction. Don't clap, we still got points to get through. I'm saying that's my introduction, we got a long way to go. I'm gonna real quickly give you these points. How do we get to the point where we get a 2020 vision for our life? How do we get to the point where we're tired of running from God? The first thing Jonah did, he was fed up. How many of you run from God and it's exhausting? How many of you have been doing wrong in your marriage and it's exhausting? How many of you, the financial pressure of life, of you not managing your finances is exhausting? How many of you going to a job that you can't stand, doing something you can't stand and knowing you are doing best and what you least than what your best is, is exhausting. It's exhausting to go out on your own. It's exhausting to try to figure out things on your own. It's exhausting to be out of the will of God. It's one of the most draining things that you will ever do in your life. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. Let me educate you on something real quick. Sin is fun. You won't hear a lot of preachers say that. Sin's fun. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. Sin's awesome. For a season. Then the weight of it kicks in. The guilt of it kicks in. The burden of it kicks in. The hurt of it kicks in. Jonah was fed up running. He's hanging out in the belly of a well. He said, this sucks. This is horrible. He owned up to his sin. You got to get fed up. Then you got to own up. The only way you're going to get back in tune with the 2020 vision God has for your life is you got to own up to where in your life you've fallen short. The Bible says every man must give an account for himself. You're in a business dealing and someone has done you wrong, you own up for your part in it. You have no control over their part in it. All you have is the control over how you handle the situation. This is why so many marriages don't make it. Because we want to make sure they own up for their part. You don't get to control them. No matter how hard you think you can, you don't get to. The only thing you get to be responsible for is yourself. I have kids. I can pretty much, there's not much you have much more power over than your kids. I snap and they do what I tell them to do. They might mumble under their breath, they might complain, but man, they do what I, because they're scared of Christine, they know. Okay? But at the end of the day, as much power as I have over my kids, the reality is I can't control them. They're going to do whatever it is they want to do because they're humans. I can't dictate every move. Only thing I can do is be responsible for how I respond. You ever get in that time when your kids are making you so crazy and you're responding wrong? And you have to step back and breathe? I'm not going to let my kids have this kind of power over me. Because, man, I can get in that case where my kids ruin my entire day. Like, they start, I got a 13-year-old little girl, and sometimes she can get up in the morning. Like, like, what happened in your sleep that made you so grumpy this morning? 
and it can affect my whole day. I can't let her have control over me like that. I'm responsible for myself. We have to own up to our own inadequacies. As we begin to work on us, the other things fall into place. I used to have these, I used to call them gauges. And I thought about them this week and it kind of convicted me because I haven't thought about these in forever. I used to have these gauges that I used to always kind of regularly check myself, almost like a fuel tank, empty or full, empty or full. And I'm trying to get back to where I use these gauges to check in my own sin. The first one was my health gauge. I am convinced more and more and more that so much of what goes on in our life emotionally, spiritually, is tied back to physically. We're physically unhealthy, and it affects every area of our life. So where are you at in that gauge? Humility. Humility. Man, are where we should be in that area? That doesn't mean you can't be confident. That doesn't mean you can't be a little bit cocky. But is there humility there? How, how's the home gauge? Always checking that home gauge, man. That's a, that's a gauge that can fluctuate daily because you put the most mileage on that gauge. Our happiness, our happiness, our holiness. It goes back to our walk with God and our hunger, our hunger for things for better, our, our hunger to make sure we're striving to be the best, always owning up. These, so as you're owning up to your areas of your life, man, those are the areas you need to be owning up to. And last of all, and I'm done, we're gonna get out of here. Jonah surrendered to God's will. You wanna get a 2020 vision for your life. You wanna get back to where God is telling you that you ought to be. You wanna stop running because, hey, you ain't out running, God. The quicker you learn that, the better off you'll be. But, but Gary, it, it, it's too late for me. No. The minute you go off course, God says, man, I got a plan A and plan B for you. Let's get you back on the new track. You'll never be too far out of the will of God for God to instantly get you back on track. You can't run from God any more than Jonah did. The joker ended up in the belly of a whale. He went south. He got on a boat to get away from where God sent him. Don't flatter yourself. You ain't Jonah. He was fed up with it. He owned up to his sin. God, I'm sorry for running. I do exactly what you told me to do. He surrendered to God's will. What area in your life do you need to surrender to today? Check it out. After he did these things, that didn't mean life was easy for him. Guess what Jonah still had to do? He had to go to Nineveh. Guess what happened in Nineveh? They were still wicked people. They were still evil people. He was fearful of his life. No offense to any of you here in America, in Canton, Georgia. I doubt there's much God's ever called you to do that that, that made you fearful for your life. Well, you might be married to a crazy woman. I, I guess that would apply. But other than that, are a crazy man. But he did what God told him to do. And when you do what you feel like God's calling you to do, don't miss this, even when it don't make sense, made no sense to go to Nineveh, even when it didn't make sense, God steps in and makes things happen because all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, Romans 8, 28. You'll step out, and God will make it work. 
You might not see that it's working out for the best. It might be the hardest thing you ever had to do. But hey, anything worth having is worth working for. I, I, I know that's unheard of in our society today, but work for it. You need a 2020 vision for your life before you can have anything else. Let's pray.